Coming up, Color, Instagram, Verizon, Rebecca Black, my case of Natalie Portman's mistaken identity. All that and more on the first episode of Social Hour. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Video bandwidth is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is episode one of The Social Hour, recorded Monday, March 28th, 2011. This episode of The Social Hour is brought to you by GoToMyPC. Think remote access to your PC or Mac is complicated? Think again! It's easy with GoToMyPC. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMyPC.com. And buy FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. Welcome to The Social Hour from Petaluma, California. I'm Sarah Lane. And from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I'm Amber MacArthur. Hi, Amber. How are you? Welcome to our new show. (laughs) I know. It's so exciting. We uh, have been talking about this for a couple of weeks. We have. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's the the next evolution for Annette at Night. We've had a couple of different names over the past few years, and uh, it seemed like a natural fit, especially for both of us, that, you know, we just love all the stuff that's happening in the social media world, that we can put all of that into one show and be able to uh, chat about it. And we have a new time. But as I understand, Sarah, people who subscribe to the feed, it there won't be any issue. They won't have to resubscribe. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Um, the only thing that will be different, and uh, folks who used to watch around the net, or is it inside the net? Oh, it's inside the net it and then ins- net at night. Inside yeah. the net turned into net at night, and folks that had watched both of those shows might recall that there was some discrepancy on the numbering because some of so the episodes kind of went back from the very first inside the net. And then uh, when it became net at night, then there was some episode. The, basically, the, the short story is we're going to start from episode one. So this is oh, that's great. the social hour episode one. However, if you were subscribed to uh, net at night, the feed, it will just roll over. Uh, if you don't like the new show, I mean, you can obviously unsubscribe, but we hope you won't. And we hope uh, that you continue to enjoy the show. But yeah, we will just want to make it as easy as possible for, for folks who were like, well, how many clicks do I have to, you know, uh, get through here? Not many. Uh, yeah, it, it should smart. be pretty seamless. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think for people out there who are just wondering kind of what the type of stuff that we're going to end up talking about, um, you know, I think we'll, uh, we're going to focus the show a little bit more on, uh, you know, some how to content. So Sarah and I will have great tips for all of you who are wondering how you use, you know, the latest tool in the social media space, how you integrate it with your Facebook page, uh, you know, the hottest new applications that are out there, but all looking at everything from a social angle. Exactly. And I think that that will help us as we, we talked a, l- a little bit about uh, this before the show, it's like uh, net at night, it's it's so broad that it's like, well, what do you put into the show? I mean, you just, I don't know, pick a bunch of stories that are interesting and internet is such a broad term. Social is also a very broad space online, but it does give us a little bit more of a, 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 a very absolute direction. You know, yeah. we're, we're very social people. I always tell folks, I love the story that you and I don't actually know each other in real life. We are social network friends. 
It's and, true. We have never met. Yeah. And so it's like, it's the perfect, uh, this is the perfect platform for us because we use these tools. We love these tools. We can vouch for these tools actually creating meaningful relationships online. And, you know, it's great. It's a, it's a whole vast world of, of goodness. It sure is. Lots to talk about today, too. Holy cow. Abs absolutely. Um, should we start with <laughs> the app that incites uh, rage and confusion among many? Yes. And others seem to like it a lot. Uh, color. Have you played around with color much, Amber? Okay, Sarah, you're going to laugh your head off at this. Okay. So um, I wrote an article about color last week. And, uh, you know, I you know had read so many great reviews of it, talking about this is kind of the next generation of social networking. It's a photo app that will connect you with people, you know, who are nearby. And I thought, this sounds really, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. So I went, I downloaded it. And then I went to start using it. And then I decided that, you know what? I really don't want to give it my location and I really don't want to share photos like that. It just had a creepy uh, feel to it. Similar, I think, um, in my mind, kind of like chat roulette. Um, you know, just at first glance, I thought this is a cool service, but then I thought, okay, well, you know what? I like a little bit more privacy than that. However, like you mentioned, there are people out there who are just raving over this. Yeah, so this is, um, if you want to take a look at how color looks, I've got an iPhone. This, it's iPhone and Android, so I will give color um, a pat on the back that off the bat they were at least uh, um, able to launch both because there are so many iPhone only applications Instagram being one of my favorites where they say Android coming soon but they're very vague about it and it leaves a lot of users out in the cold so this is if I were to want to take a picture right now um, here's oh that's a very nice picture of me really good angle so I'll go ahead and say okay yeah we'll take that one yeah very nice and I'll go ahead and post it and at this point People who are in my immediate vicinity, physical vicinity, should be able to see this picture of me pop up in their area because they're nearby. It's all based on geolocation. So you do have to tell color where you are. It's the only way that it'll work. Now, if, um, oh, this is actually some of my history. Here's what's weird about and so that this is also something that bothers me a little bit about color. So you look down here and it's like, what do these icons mean? There's some sort of yin-yang type of a thing here. Okay, let's go ahead and click on that. That seems to be the picture that I just took, and I look to be near someone named Travis, who took a picture at 7 a.m. nearby. Ooh, that is nearby. I know where that is. And then if you go over to the timeline here, this looks like a bunch of the picture that I just took here Monday on the 28th, some stuff that I took on the 27th. We'll get to that in a minute. If I click that again, now I've got sort of a timeline of photos that have been taken by my friends. And this is where it gets kind of complicated because it's not only people who are your friends on color, but people who maybe you were nearby a couple of days ago, even if you've never met them, then comments that they make on other people's photos start to show up here. Like some guy that I've never met before commented on uh, someone named Wonder Woman's picture. And I don't know why I'm seeing any of this stuff. I don't know these people at all. So my beef with color, Amber, is that it's really confusing. And you I mean, it, it kind of looks nice. And it's like, well, this is kind of an interesting, compelling thing. You all go to an event, you know, you go to a Britney Spears concert and everyone's taking pictures and supposedly everyone's pictures would be showing up in this color group. But it's not very intuitive. I mean, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just clicking around half the time. Yeah, you know, and I think that was part of the issue when I was just, uh, you know, started to play around with it a little bit is it, 
um, it didn't seem that intuitive and I really didn't see, see a need for it in my life necessarily. Mm -hmm. However, I will say, I mean, again, it, it kind of reminds me even of the early days of Twitter when I used to follow people and people would say to me, why are you following all these people? I mean, why do you care what these random strangers are doing? And the reality is, you know, you just followed them and it, is, you know, it became interesting over time and you would just ignore it if it wasn't. The thing I find about photos and the location is just, it's adding that extra level of sort of like your personal uh, history in terms of where you are all the time that um, I just I guess I'm just not comfortable with it I, I'm, and I, I know that I'm not alone but yeah. uh, it's just a little bit too much I think yeah there's a voyeuristic thing that color is clearly embracing they want people to overshare they want the idea of being in a restaurant and saying oh that maybe that's is that Matt maybe I'll say hi to the stranger named Matt who appears to be the guy that took the picture of the back of my head or something like that so I think that there's a little bit of, ooh, isn't this fun and new and exciting? And you get the idea that this could be extremely helpful if you wanted to use the sort of the, the, the power of the masses if there was an earthquake and a bunch of people were taking pictures of a, you know, a, a, a bridge or so, something that if you get a lot of people together in one place that can throw up a bunch of pictures into an area, that that could be useful. So I actually, on Saturday night, uh, a bunch of friends and I went out. We were just... We were hanging out and we all decided to just overload a color group with a bunch of pictures. So this gives you an idea of, this is a very silly example, but it gives you an idea of what this would look like. This, by the way, is the link that I ended up tweeting out of all the pictures that we took. We went a little crazy because we just wanted to see how the service worked and how it could handle a huge load of pictures. As you can see, as the night goes on, it gets a little weirder. Um, in fact, this is what I looked like at the end of the night, which is not good. I was very uh, tired. I was for tired. our listeners, she still looks great. <laughs> I was tired of using color at that point. It was very late. We were getting kicked out of the bar. But this is the link that was tweeted out. And I mean, I tweeted it out very early in the night. Maybe we had taken about five pictures. So we were kind of down at this point, right? And what's cool is that the link stays live. So oh, as, adding. as the night goes on, if somebody were to see my tweet four hours later, well, we might have been up at this point by then, uh, later on in the evening when we all started dancing and eating chicken wings. So that's kind of cool. I mean, this is, again, this was a silly example of how color works, but I could see where if you were really interested in seeing a bunch of pictures from a bunch of folks who were in a certain venue at once... And they had at least been using the same group as we were here, my friends and I. It could be kind of cool. And you could jump in or out of the experience whenever you wanted to. I think I, I totally agree with you. To me, and this will be the last thing I'm going to say about color, because to <laughs> me, it works perfect at an event. Um, yeah. So if there's a big event, you know, you, and I've heard people talk about advertisers uh, potentially loving an app like this, you know, if they're having a big concert or any other type of um, organized activity and, and they can use an app like this that just generates all these great, amazing pictures all at once, then I think it becomes really interesting. As a day-to-day -day kind of thing, I'm not, um, I'm not in love with it. Um, however, who knows, Sarah, maybe I'll be using it soon too. <laughs> we'll see. Who knows, indeed. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's color. Color is, uh, it's, a, it's, it's compelling. It's, it's got something there. I think that's um, something that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, but a lot of other people have talked about, is the idea that color got a really large round of funding, $41 million, before they even launched. Um, these are some well-known folks we're working um, at the company, uh, one of the uh, gentlemen um, who started Lala, which of course Apple bought last year, um, uh, um, 
guy from LinkedIn, and you know, it's a, it's a good group of people. And from all accounts, they're a well-respected bunch of folks. That said, everyone's like, I mean, what kind of you know nonsense is this much money for something that people don't really understand how to use right off the bat? Um, and you know, it's it's getting a lot of mixed reviews. It's like, what? How much money do you need to launch something like it's this? It's a ton of money. So, I mean, I guess. No, it isn't going to be the end of color, right? We're going to hear a lot more about it in the months to come, maybe even years to come, since they do have a ton of money behind mm -hmm. them. Sarah, what is this thing? I, I just read your Twitter message about uh, Verizon. Oh, my gosh, yes. So anybody who had, uh, had missed uh, my whole Verizon debacle, this is kind of just... So, okay, so let me set this up, right? So you, you, I'll start from the beginning. I trust you, uh, trust me that it's not a too long of a story, but... What ended up happening was Verizon had overcharged me on a bill. I just switched to Verizon recently, and I did so because I, I had a lot of um, issues being able to use my own phone in my own house with AT&T. So, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the common complaint and a common reason why people switch to Verizon. But my first bill came, and it was, there was, there was, a, it was just a mess. And I got on the phone with somebody. I spent, oh gosh, you know, better part of two hours talking to them. Had to talk to the supervisor, which is always... I, you know, I never try to be that guy, but it was one of these situations where I wasn't getting through to him. I talked to her. She was nice enough, but they weren't, they weren't giving me what I needed, and that was a refund for, you know, about $300. So I ended up sending this tweet, and it was in a moment of, uh, of, of passionate anger, you know, where I said, Verizon's crap, and I at replied them, so I knew that they were going to see it. I knew what I was doing, and I was, you know, I was angry about overcharge as well. Turns out that uh, Verizon has quite a few online Twitter accounts, and several of them got back to me, and I couldn't really figure out why it wasn't just one single account, regional, I guess wireless is a different department. So kind of long story short, because I had complained on Twitter, uh, a lot of folks from Verizon, even though they weren't really talking to each other, were talking to me, and I ended up... Um, getting someone who said, please follow us so we can DM you. We really want to help you work through this. You know, clearly you've, you, know, you have some followers on Twitter. You're talking about us in a bad way. We want to make this right. Somebody ended up calling me. She called me three times because the first two times I was doing TNT, so I didn't even hear the phone ring. And the third time I picked up, hello, yes, it's Verizon. Uh, we just wanted to uh, make sure that we understand your problem. I told her the problem in a, you know, in a, a very um, short form. And she went, yes, uh, Miss Lane, we understand that we were in the wrong here and we've wiped all your charges. And so it was like, it wasn't that I was trying yeah. to get out of paying a bill or anything like that. I mean, the, I owed them money. I just didn't owe them the money that they said they owed. And all I really had to do was complain on Twitter and I shouldn't have even called customer service in the first place, which it works out. I think my story ended up ending well, but I think for all the people who don't use something like Twitter to, uh, I don't know, leverage some power, you might be missing out. I mean, maybe talking to someone who doesn't understand your problem and quite frankly doesn't care about your problem on the phone is not the best way to spend a couple of hours. I've had the same experience, you know, with some brands out there where if I'm really frustrated, I mean, particularly with any type of telco, if I go to Twitter, I get a much faster answer and faster uh, response and, and sort of course of action than if I were actually to call up and uh, go on hold for a while. I mean, and I think for companies out there who are doing this and who are monitoring um, their reputation online, it's a wonderful thing. And I mean, I think your example is a perfect example of how um, people, companies need to be so timely. You know, they need to answer people within a certain time frame or, the frame or they just get frustrated. So 
uh, definitely a, a good story. And hopefully more customer service will be done on Twitter. I think Comcast was one of the first companies to push really hard and uh, with their Comcast Cares account and uh, be a really great example of customer service done well um, through the Twitter platform. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, in our chat room, a few people are saying, well, I mean, aren't they only caring about you because you complained on Twitter and they don't want bad PR? Oh, yes, exactly. I mean, this is, this is the sort of thing that we need to hold companies accountable to. Uh, and uh, frankly, I will I will use any avenue that I can get if I believe that you know I've been wronged somehow. And even if yes, deep down inside they don't care about giving us the money back. It's like I mean we're working with businesses, and it's really in our best interest to figure out what's the best way to get a co company's attention if you've hit a wall, and get the you know the help and the support that you need from them. So in my case, it was Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of people um, have their own stories. And if you do. You should write us and tell us what the stories were. Um, our sure. email address is the social hour at twit.tv. Yay, our first email plug. <laughs> and I think it'll inspire people, hopefully, to you know tell us their success stories, but also help teach other people who are out there who are trying to figure out how to manage their Twitter account for a company. You know, what do we do, and how do we? How are we supposed to be effective? Because that's a big question I know people have all the time. Uh, totally. This is kind of a fun uh, Twitter story. Uh, new research finds that twenty percent of elite Twitter users actually generate half of the tweets that are sent out on Twitter. All right, uh, so, so small community. So how many, uh, yeah, so who's an elite, who's an elite Twitter user anyway? I know, I'm looking down this list right now to see if they name some people. Um, so they do have top five users in uh, four different categories. Uh, I guess there's about 20,000 users that fall into this elite group. Um, now for celebrities, uh, it's Ashton Kutcher, Lady Gaga, The Ellen Show, for media in New York Times, uh, uh, Time Magazine, and uh, CNN, uh, organizations, Google, Starbucks, uh, Twitter, of course, <laughs> and uh, for course. blogs, Mashable, ProBlogger, um, Deuce, and uh, a couple of others as well made it to that list. Um, so I think we've hit, seen studies like this before, Sarah, where they talk about how really it is a small group who is tweeting a lot mm -hmm. um, and uh, who would generate the most amount of uh, traffic and conversation um, online. But uh, it was funny to see it looked at as this number, you know, 20,000 people, this kind of core group of uh, Twitter elite users, as they like to call them. Yeah, I mean, I don't... <sighs> I've definitely found um, quite a while ago that you know, my click-through rate, it's very easy to see if you tweet something, how many people actually click on the link. And it really is, I mean, for me, it's a, such a smaller amount of users than the amount of users that are technically following me. I mean, hmm. the people who are following me, I mean, I'm somewhere in the 40,000s, and that seems like, wow, that's a lot of people, you know, and I'm obviously proud of that. But... I don't have even 10,000 people ever click on anything that I send. And no, I know no. that, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to, it just brought something to my mind. You know, we've had Guy Kawasaki on the show before. And uh, Guy is one of those people who, uh, as he explained in a recent interview I did with him, I'm like a fire hose. If you don't like a lot of content, don't follow me on Twitter. And he actually sends out the same tweet three or four times over the course of 24 hours. And his reasoning is that the reality is that many people will miss his tweet, you know, the first time he sends it. So he figures he'll send it three or four times and then he gets the most traffic because, you know, obviously it's added up over time uh, in terms of the number of times he sends it out. And he said it's a very small uh, group of people who actually will unsubscribe to him who are irritated by mm -hmm. how many times he tweets the same thing. And I, I think it's a 
you know, I don't do it because I would feel really annoying. Um, he doesn't care, obviously, and he has a huge community following him. But it is a really interesting topic. You know, is that too much if you tweet something three or four times? Um, but like you said, if you only have, for me, if I tweet something out, maybe if I get a few hundred people who have clicked on the link, maybe a thousand people have put something really compelling. Um, there are so many more people in my network who just didn't see my message because of the way Twitter works. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think it's a, people seem to fall into two camps. There's definitely the Guy Kawasaki model where it's like, listen, I need to get the message out. This is the way that I talk to as many people as possible. You see a lot of this, other folks use um, the, if you missed it last night, here's the reminder of this story that I wrote that I, you know, the people will say, a lot of you may have been asleep when I sent this out the first time, so here's the link again. And that seems... Um, like it would be very effective because maybe I, I, you know, I don't always go back into my Twitter stream and read everything that happened since the last time I was reading. So yeah, we do miss links. At the same time, there have been people who have kind of bugged me a little bit and I've even unfollowed some folks where it's like, oh, it's just too repetitive and I get what they're doing. It just, it's standing out too much for me. And so I have to kind of dial back on the noise that I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, the, the folks who, I mean, Deuce, great example, Heather Armstrong, who runs Deuce.com, anybody who's not familiar with her, she is a force of nature online. Um, and it's just, I think sometimes someone hits a home run and not really on purpose. I mean, there's so many factors that go into someone becoming so popular on Twitter. Eston Kutcher had a race with CNN to get to a million followers. And so he kind of, I think he had more of a, a hand, well, he, he had a complete hand in the whole thing, but I mean, this was something that he, he meant to do, and it wasn't sort of a fluke accident type of a thing, but he also wasn't one of Twitter's earliest adopters either. So no, some, of the, some of the tech folks who have been really successful on Twitter, it's amazing that, that uh, they're as prolific as they are and continue to be as popular as they are. Yeah, they just keep building and building uh, people following them. So, uh, um, and I don't know, how many people do you follow, Sarah? I follow about three uh, in the in the the 300s, and I've found that it used to be. It's funny. I was just thinking about this the other day. I used to be at about 200, and I, I tried really hard not to follow people that I didn't know, except um, Deuce is one of the people I follow that I don't know. But very few people because I just wanted it to be very relevant to me. And over time, you meet folks, and and sometimes you follow back to be nice. And there's all sorts of reasons that the numbers crept up. And I'm getting to a, uh, I think, a threshold where I'm, there are not enough tweets that are actually relevant to me, and I feel like I need to cut back a little bit just to make my, keep my experience positive. You know, there's so many social networks where it's like, you really need to figure out what is your threshold before you're just annoyed all the time, and then not worry too much about hurting anyone's feelings because it's all about enjoying it. And, you know, on Twitter, if I was to follow 400 people, I don't even think I would read it that often because it'd just be like, oh gosh, it's some of the stuff. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. doesn't affect me. Same thing with I Facebook, know. and people have you know different approaches. I know. I I think I'm following almost four thousand people now. What? And I can't follow that many people. Um, you know, I you can't. are. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. part of it, Sarah, was when I first signed on to Twitter, and I'm sure there's lots of people out there who have done this, where I first started, and then I used to follow people back. So in the early days of Twitter. Um, you know, my first say 10,000 followers, I followed a lot of those people back. And, mm -hmm. um, 
And so I naturally, you know, you get to a point and it's not like you're going to go in at this point and start unfollowing. I'm not going to unfollow 3,500 people. (laughs) So uh, unfortunately, I miss stuff all the time. And it's one of those things now. Twitter has become such a popular way for people to communicate that one of my friends will send something and say, well, Amber, I posted that on Twitter. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, it's it's. You know, I'm drowning in messages. I can't, you know, I check in every once in a while and hope that I see it or, you know, I'll use some right. of the uh, Twitter tools. But uh, the reality is it's it's too many people to follow. So for you, I mean, your point that some folks will be repetitive because they want to make sure that you don't miss their message for you, that's probably more helpful because you really do have so many yeah. signals being thrown at you. Yeah, it does work. I think in that case, you know, it doesn't, and it doesn't really bother me because I, there's so much noise anyway in the right. community that I follow. So um, I would never even notice. And I mean, if Guy tweeted 20 times a day, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if it would even make a dent in uh, my memory. So um, it's not too big of a deal. But it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see you know where people sit. You know, there's people I, I there's people I know who don't follow anyone or um, you know just really small groups. But yeah. uh, I never got to that point, Sarah. Um, speaking of Twitter, and uh, I'll just say this once uh, because I've actually gotten a big kick out of it. Uh, Amber, you might, you may or may not be aware uh, that during the movie Black Swan, Natalie Portman had a body double. She is a ballerina who works with the American Ballet okay. Comp- Theater. It's a, you know, it's it's a very prestigious ballet theater in New York. That ballerina's name is Sarah Lane, and she spells it just like mine. I'm older than her, so technically I had the name first, but whatever. We're not the only two Sarah Lanes in the world. However, turns out that she's a little miffed these days that she wasn't um, thanked by Natalie more profusely, or, or at all, I guess, in her Oscar speech. And Another angry ballerina. An angry a- ballerina, I know, uh, the wrath. And um, so she, I've known about the ballerina for a long time because she pops up in my Google alerts because we have the same name and she danced. She's a good dancer and this and that. And I knew that she was the body double. But just recently, it, it's almost as if some like gag order had been lifted because now she's talking to everybody and anybody. And I am being harassed on Twitter by people who think that <gasps> at Sarah Lane yeah. is the ballerina. Um, for example, this, this man, he, he wasn't even being mean. He was just talking to the ballerina like, hey, you should be happy that you were someone's body double at all and you're not the actress and kind of get over yourself type of a thing. So I've been writing these people back and I mean, part of me is like, this is sort of a waste of time because I think some people are just generally confused and they will have no idea what I'm doing, that I'm a whole different person. But it's a case of mistaken identity and it's very frustrating and I can't imagine how frustrating it might be for people who have, you know, one name, Twitter handles, where they're being mistaken for someone else constantly. And it's like, ah, what do you do? You know, do you try to correct everybody? I mean, that would take all day. Okay, now now your Black Swan tweet made sense because I think I saw it and I was just like, what is that all about? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it was. And that actually, it kind of worked against me because I think that anyone who didn't see that I was joking and has no idea who I as a person am read that tweet you know, maybe someone linked to it and was like, oh, okay, this ballerina's on Twitter, so now it's time to berate her. So I'm not the ballerina. We just have the same so name. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny. funny. Well, so last thing I'm going to say about Twitter is that while we were chatting, I noticed that uh, Guy Kawasaki's All Top popped up in my Twitter feed twice. <laughs> so maybe I take back that comment that um, I wouldn't even notice because there's a couple of tweets from him, obviously not the same tweet. Um, and then, of course, Charlie Sheen has popped up in my Twitter feed. Uh, once again, so uh, maybe I, I maybe I need to uh, 
Maybe following a lot of people is okay, Sarah. I actually do see stuff. There you Who go. Knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 all it's all what you make of it, isn't it? Twitter, exactly. Um, Sarah, question for you because yes. someone has just asked us on uh, Twitter what our email address is again. Our email address is thesocialhour at twit.tv. If for any reason you like brevity, you can also um, email tsh at twit.tv. We use abbreviations for a lot of our shows, and so even though we're not calling this tsh, I feel like, you know, if that's what you prefer, they'll go to the same place. Um, also, a uh, reminder that if you're watching live, you're, you already know the answer, but if you're not watching live and you want to watch us live next time, we record on Mondays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, which is very exciting for Amber because she doesn't have to stay up so late anymore. Um, and we're on a whole different day, and it's we're almost like starting off the week at to it. So it's really cool. Um, I'm into it. I love doing stuff it's earlier. Great. Yeah, it's a great day to be doing all this social stuff. And uh, wow, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Sarah. I know <laughs> we do. Before, uh, before we get on to I see, we're gonna have to stop dropping things. That's the way it goes. It's like, it's, it's almost like the land of TV again, where we're like, we don't have time. We, we don't must have time. drop a story. I, I wanna thank, really quickly, Go To My PC. They're our very first sponsor. We've got two sponsors on our first show. So thanks to Go To My PC. If you're not familiar with Go To My PC, it is so helpful because we talk about services in the cloud all the time and, 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 and there's just going to be more of that. But let's be honest, sometimes there's a file or a program that's only on one computer and it's not the computer that you're sitting at and you need to access that computer and that's where GoToMyPC comes in. If you just, on the computer that you want to be able to access remotely, you go to GoToMyPC, you sign up and you get a code. At that point, that's the code that you will use anytime you're in, you can be anywhere. You can be on top of a mountain or, you know, at the bottom of the sea. If you've got internet access and you can access GoToMeeting from a remote location, you can take control of that computer that you forgot to turn off or you forgot to upload a file to your mom from or you really need because you've got to access iPhoto or a host of other things. Go to my PC. It be the best. And they are a sponsor on the show today. You can try them out free for 30 days, which is key because obviously these sorts of things, you have to make sure that they're going to work for you. If after 30 days you love it, sign up and tell them Twit sent you. Offer code is Twit. We'll get a, the social hour offer code at some point. But for now, just go to mypc.com, offer code Twit. We thank them so much for their support of the show. And it's, it's, it's really a perfect sponsor for us, Amber, because I don't know about you, but I am constantly being like, wait, what laptop am I using? Oh, wait, oh no, my that's goodness, on my yes. iPad. Uh, and by the way, Mac or PC too. So if you're a Windows user, we're not leaving you out in the cold. And, and likewise, if you're a Mac user as well. So thanks to them. What else yeah, is going on, on, on in, okay. in the land of social anyway? So um, probably one of the biggest news headlines that every week we're going to touch on something that happens on Facebook because they do unveil something new almost every single week or have some issue, whether it's with privacy or another story coming out um, of the company. Uh, this one is Facebook has launched uh, questions uh, for page owners. So people who own a page on Facebook, um, they'll be able to go in and use the questions tool to ask a question to their community online, um, which is pretty interesting, I think, especially for uh, brands out there. We know all know that the question is 
space is uh, has been exploding online with sites like Quora. Uh, so a company can go and ask a question. You know, if you're an ice cream uh, store, you can ask what flavor of ice cream should I sell this week? And just being able to kind of pull your audience um, who are Facebook fans or uh, like your Facebook page. Absolutely. I mean, I love this idea. I've always thought that Facebook questions, trying to pull up the, the page right now, our internet's a little slow here in the studio. I've always thought that the, the questions area of Facebook could be so much better. I mean, you've got so many folks that can help contribute to a variety of questions and answers, but I didn't really know anybody who was using it very regularly, or it just didn't really, when I would go to my home, you know, my, my profile home screen and look at the feed of what was going on, there would be kind of questions that were irrelevant to me and were a asked maybe by a friend of a friend or something like that. And I just, I, I don't know. I never used it and I never really saw the use for it on a specific page though. I mean, you and I both have Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. I use mine every day. Um, I'm, I try to be um, as interactive as possible. And it's a great, um, great way for people to ask me specific questions that then I can answer. And you figure if someone's on your page, um, which I use for a lot more social activity than my profile even, they're probably interested in my answers a lot more than maybe, you know, one of my business contacts is that's not actually a, a fan of my page. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of the best ways to get people to interact. I always tell people that when they're looking for, you know, how do I build up my community on my Facebook page, asking a question is just a kind of a no-brainer out there. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because at first when Quora came out, that's the site that launched last year that it allows people to go in, ask questions and get questions answered uh, from the community. At first when it came out, I, I didn't use it all that much, but now I find myself going there all the time. Do you really? Uh, Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. For example, the other day I was doing research, uh, trying to find out uh, some of the top Tumblr blogs that businesses have started. And I thought, okay, I'll just plug this into Quora and see what it spits out. And I got this great list and all these people commenting on it. So I can't believe the amount of content that's in there right now in terms of uh, being able to ask random questions. So um, although it's, you know, obviously different than what you're doing on Facebook, just clearly, you know, that we're in an area where asking questions has become such a hot uh, topic. Totally agree. And I mean, the question space, uh, you mentioned Tumblr. Tumblr has its own built-in ask me a question feature. It's not really something that I use on my on my Tumblr account, but a lot of people do. Uh, then you've got Quora, which has gotten so much attention lately and again is really helpful to a certain amount of people. I'm still not a regular Quora user, but you're not you're not my only friend who is, for sure. There's Formspring and that's very much like a ask me a question. It almost this Facebook um, pages questions feature almost seems more like a form spring in that it's a designated place to ask one particular person a question and then the answer mm. type of a thing. Um, form spring is hit and miss for me too because people can ask you anonymous questions. You can turn that off if you want, but I don't. And so some of the anonymous questions are just like, I, I don't even really know why they're asking me what they're asking me. And so it, it's, it's more sort of like fun than it is useful, but obviously it's all what you it's all what you want to share and what and what you want to publish. Um, and I think Facebook's really smart by getting into the question space. I mean, they see, they seem to adopt everything else that is that is hot online as far as social activity goes. And so if they know that people are flocking to Quora like you and saying I'm really getting something out of this, then it's and they not, just roll it in. Yeah, exactly. It won't be long before before they add yeah. in their own kind of features. So, okay, Sarah. Yes. Rebecca Black. I have avoided talking about Rebecca Black for a very long time now, um, even though, you know, obviously I'm very familiar with her videos. And we won't uh, play the video. So anyone who's about to get mad at us, don't worry. We're not going to play Friday, the Rebecca I Black hit. I, 
I honestly, the first time I saw it, I write for um, a national newspaper and, and my editor wrote me and said, maybe you should write about this because everybody's talking about it. And I watched the video with Rebecca Black, people who don't know it, this young girl who was in this video. And I, I like many people, thought it was a joke. I mean, this was the most, <laughs> or is the most horrible song and video in existence. And, and that part of me felt bad for her. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think that that's... People either they're sort of embracing the fact that this is a terrible song. It's a it's a it's a young girl who wanted a, a semi-professional video paid a company about two thousand dollars to make something that I mean, quite frankly, doesn't really look too different than anything that you'd see on MTV. That's kind of cookie cutter type of video, uh, but it's a it's a terrible song, you know, with silly lyrics. And you do feel bad for her because you figure, well, she probably did write all that stuff and just wanted to look cute and have a YouTube video that she could point out to her friends. And it turned into quite a sensation. However, you could also think of it as, it, as long as Rebecca Black has thick skin and can handle um, some jeers, she also might be making quite a bit of money off of this because this is a YouTube video that, I mean, has about third or 50 million views now 50 million uh, that's really insane i mean that's it's hard to get that that many views insane or disturbing <laughs> insane, insane and disturbing yeah so uh there was actually a mashable article um that was asking a very interesting question how much is exactly rebecca black making from friday and it turns out that it really depends on who you ask because there was a Forbes article that originally said that she had sold one million um, downloads on iTunes. Turns out that that's it's only in like the twenty thousands. So still getting money from that, certainly, but not a million dollars. She's not a millionaire. You know, if you ever want to read something hilarious, you have to. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Lefsitz. The I'm Lefsitz not. Club. He's fantastic, Sarah, and anyone else who is listening, you would just love him. He basically, uh, um, he critiques the music industry, and he writes this online newsletter that he's been doing for a very long time. I subscribe to it and have for years. It's kind of the only one that I actually read. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, talks about Rebecca Black, and he'll, he'll you know, obviously not make fun of her, but just say, you know, in some cases, and this is a situation where someone in her family, somehow she has access to too much money <laughs> and uh, you know, someone along the way made her believe that she could be a star. And, and, and that's just kind of this new world that we're living in. And um, I really recommend anyone checking out the Lefset letter. Uh, I think it's just lefset.com um, to see what else he has to say, because uh, it's uh, hopefully... I don't know. I think this is the beginning of many more situations like this, Sarah. I think so, too. I mean, it, YouTube makes, uh, you know, a dollar per thousand page views. Um, and you figure that uh, Rebecca Black's family uh, paid this company. It's called the Arc Music Factory. Those are the folks that actually put together this polished video package for her. They gave them some money off the bat. I don't know if they, they get any sort of the proceeds from residual uh, income. Who knows? But... Um, you know, of, of, of that, uh, when you factor all of that in, still they're probably only taking away, you know, a little under 50 grand. So, hey, for something that was sent out on a lark, I mean, they certainly got their money's worth and they got some money back. But it's not as if this sort of, you know, it's kind of, so this is sort of what I think is sad about this whole thing is that she makes, um, she gets so many people to watch this video and part of it was just completely out of her control. I mean, it's not as if this was a marketing machine. It just it got away from them. And, you know, 50 million people watch this video. And she gets a lot of attention. And a lot of people make fun of her. And she makes a little bit of money. I mean, she's 13, so I, I guess it's her parents making the money. And is it really worth it? I mean, 
Is she going to be a star? I, I, I'd be really surprised if we saw another hit from Rebecca Black. What do you think? I don't even know what to say. I don't even know <laughs> if this falls in the category of hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know what? I really don't know. I just, um, I, I feel just sorry for her because I just think of myself being a, you know, you're, you're a teenager and thinking about even, you know, one criticism that she may read on YouTube, as much as she may have thick skin, it's just a, it's kind of a rough age for girls. And um, I, uh, I, I don't envy her. However, you know, she could be that kid who just is wallowing in all this fame and doesn't care how she got it. Um, and maybe she wants to do something else or it could be, and I'm just waiting for this. This is all a joke. And some company came up with this and it's actually like a brand behind it, <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the case either because we know so much about how this all got made. I mean, I she wanted to make a video and the company got paid and they're a company who have done similar things for other uh, wannabe pop sensations. Yeah. Uh, she was just the one that got the most attention. Yes. Um, but if this was some sort of marketing, uh, I don't know who would even be behind it. YouTube themselves. I'm just a dreamer, Sarah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I like the way you think. I do. That would so, be. So what, is this image stabilization? I haven't seen this. Yeah, this, is, this is awesome. I'm trying to pull it up on the page right now. For some reason, we're having problems loading YouTube videos on the YouTube blog. It should come up in here. Anyway, this is something that I found last week, and it was perfect for the show, and especially since we're already talking about YouTube. I mean, everyone knows, uh, that uses YouTube anyway, that um, you can upload a variety of different videos. I mean, pretty much anything that isn't already copyrighted, you can, you can use to create a video on YouTube, and anyone can make an account. What they have um, that some people utilize, although I think a lot of people don't even know about, is their own video editor. So you can... Um, use very popular effects like dissolves and fades and, and you can add um, graphics and make something that, and this is cloud-based, and make something that is, I mean, it's not like having Final Cut Pro, which is obviously a very robust editing system, you know, or an example of one in front of you, but it gives somebody who's got nothing more than a YouTube account and an internet connection a way to make videos a little bit richer. And they've got... I mean, quite a few kind of cool features, video transitions, uh, you can rotate video, you can mix audio, you know, if there's a lot of back noise, you can try to clean that up a little bit. So it, so it gives people who don't have access to expensive uh, video editing uh, systems, which, I mean, they're all pretty expensive. I mean, they're going to set you back a few hundred bucks, unless it's the new iMovie on the iPad, which is awesome. It but is really slick, huh? It is really slick, and it's five bucks. But here is, okay, good, it loaded now. So here is YouTube. What they did was they said, we added image stabilization. So anybody who's not familiar with that knows that if you take a really shaky video, then it's hard to watch. I mean, this is a video that someone, I don't know, they took on their street. Uh, it looks like the East Coast somewhere because there's a lot of brick. And they're, they're, they're zooming in and out and they're panning left and right. And it's just kind of, uh, you feel a little motion sick. Okay, so you get the idea. Well, this, that is an unstabilized raw version. And then this is stabilization that went through YouTube. This is the exact same video clip. Look at that. It's not moving at all. It's amazing. And this is something that YouTube, um, the way that they describe it is um, they, when you uh, send them the request, this is the video clip, and you say, YouTube, stabilize this. They have so many servers and so much power that they actually make that request and chop it into a bunch of little bytes and have a bunch of servers render this, the same request um, simultaneously so that you actually get this really nice um, uh, souped up version of some very shaky video that might have been unusable or just not worked for your project before. 
um, you know, this is all free stuff. So that's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, sometimes you think inland stabilization. How much is it really going to help? And sometimes it makes the um, the video look kind of weird. It's it's stabilized, but it's not really like the video that it's you originally like shot. Or something. I was yeah. very impressed by this. I thought it looked awesome. That is very cool because it's. I mean, the reality is there's a ton of bad, shaky videos on YouTube. That's for sure. <laughs> a lot of people need a lot of help, I think, in that area. Now, this soundtracking app, I really am dying to try this out. Uh, I hadn't even heard of it before, Sarah. Soundtracking is great. Um, this is actually made, um, well, it's not just one person, but a friend of mine named Steve Jang, who uh, has been in the Silicon Valley space for, oh, a long time. He um, is, the, is one of the folks behind the app. Oop, we want this camera. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad, am I, people? Okay, so sound checking app, I'll just show you. It's easier to show you than, than tell you about it. So this is the interface, okay? Sorry that it's kind of close. I'll, uh, I will do better next time. Let's go to my feed. These are the folks that I am following on, I think I connected to Twitter and Foursquare. Sound checking will let you off the bat connect to Twitter, Foursquare, and Facebook um, to you know, give you easy access to uh, some of your friends. So these are all folks that have soundtracked a song. So this is something that I soundtracked on Saturday. So I'll just go ahead and click into it because I, I know what it is. But um, oh wait, oh see, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to figure out how this works here. I soundtracked this. Oh, I know what it is because I'm looking at myself. Here, here, I'll I'll show you a, <laughs> I'll show you, I'll show you the a better version of this. This is what that, that that I just clicked on would look like to my followers. So they get a link from sound tracking. So this is, if you weren't within the app itself, they get a link to Juicy by Notorious B.I.G., which I don't want to play because it's, um, well, it's kind of dirty. Um, yeah. And I want to make sure that we don't cuss on the show at all. But I played this song, and this is something that I picked up at a party where we were eating chicken wings. This is the same party from my color party. So we were being very silly that night. We had cupcakes and M&Ms and chicken wings. And if you're kind of like, well, I don't really understand what the point of this is. The point is, is that if you're playing a song and you want to share that song with the world. It could be something that's playing on your iPod. So mm. let's say you're at the gym and you're like, oh, I really love the song. You know, I'm not playing anything on my iPod right now, but if I was, it would automatically pick that up. Or you could search for a song if you're like, oh, I used to love that song by, I don't know, Santana. And I, I, I wanna share that with somebody right now. Or the best part is the music ID feature. And that's where it's trying to listen for a song that isn't playing right now because I'm not playing anything. But if I were, it works um, the way that uh, an app like Shazam works, where uh, it takes the musical information from whatever is uh, the ambient noise around you. You have to be careful. Um, it's going to say it hasn't found anything, I'm sure, because I can't imagine I would be... Uh, talking the way a song would sound. Yeah, unfortunately, they weren't able to find a match because, again, we're not playing a song. But I have found that, and I've played around with this in a variety of settings, some, you know, loud bar or iPod or, um, you know, just a song that was playing on my Sonos system in my house where there's not too much interference. And it's pretty good at picking up stuff. They also have some kind of fun... Um, I feel like the app world, um, they get into these situations where they have to do something different. So Soundtrack is now allowing people to like or love someone's soundtrack. So you can you can decide, oh, I love what, what Sarah soundtracked or, nah, I just like it. So 
I'm not really sure what the, the point of that is. You see like, love down here or comment here. But I guess that they're just trying to come up with something unique and different to set them apart from all the other likers out there. So, so it's basically like, so you're basically tweeting kind of your, you know, what's, because it, it calls it the soundtrack to your life, right? So the idea yeah. is sort of what song is you know, getting you excited or you're enjoying at that moment. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not explaining it very well because people are like, what is the point of all of this? The point is that um, I think a lot of people who are music fans agree that sometimes a song will just evoke an emotion or, you know, it's a great memory or you think, oh, you know, Amber would love, she would just love to like hear a little clip of this right now. So when you, when I soundtrack something and you and I are connected on soundtrack or I send you the link, you get mm -hmm. a 30 second clip like of the song. Okay. You can't just listen to the song because that would be like me sharing a song that I don't have access to share with you. So what soundtracking will have to do in the future is uh, get deals with labels to be able to play music and have some sort of a cloud-based service. Obviously, they're just in their infancy, but it's not too different than, um, you might recall a company called uh, Blip FM. Yeah, yeah. We're doing, I, I think that they're still around. I haven't used them in a while, but it was a very similar idea. It was more internet-based. There wasn't an app, but uh, you could share songs with folks, but sometimes companies would come in and either take those songs down or replace them with little 30-second clips so that they, they weren't uh, upsetting any artists. But that's soundtracking. Yeah, it's very cool. It, music people will love it. Some people will not find a need for it. And it is iPhone only. Again, it's one of those services that you know, they launched in the big South by Southwest rush when so many companies had to put their product out because they wanted to get attention. Yeah. A lot of these companies, they go iPhone first and they don't have Android apps yet. And I know that that really upsets a lot of Android users who feel kind of left in the lurch. But hopefully soon. Hopefully they'll have one soon. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's it's cool. I like soundtracking a lot. I think they're onto something good. Uh, before we get to the rest of our show, Amber, I want to ask you about something called Fresh Books because I know that you are yes. a busy woman. You do a lot of traveling, and I assume that that means with all of your jobs that you juggle. And I don't know how you do that with, you know, a family at home and everything, but you seem to do well. Is all of your invoicing because invoicing uh, is a pain in the rear. You know what, Sarah? This may sound corny, but uh, today I was walking through the I freelance for a TV station in Toronto, and I was walking through the hallways, and uh, this woman who came up to me and said, "Amber, I'd like to get." your invoice for the by the end of the week because I'm I'm doing my month's end and um, I said I said to her I said that won't be a problem because I'm using FreshBooks and it's so easy for me to invoice I actually said those words to her and I was being totally honest um, even when I look at my computer right now I have FreshBooks as uh, one of my bookmarks and uh, it's a, just a place for people who run their own businesses uh, if you're a freelancer it makes all of your invoicing really really simple so you can go in you can add your clients um, and if it's a, a client who you do a lot of work with, then it's so easy to go in and then just send an invoice to that particular client. It does things like helps you calculate all the taxes. Uh, you can send reminders. Um, a lot, a lot involved in, in this uh, web application. Uh, you can also do things like time tracking. So if you're mm. working with a certain client and you hourly need to, rates. yeah, you're, you have an hourly rate. If you're a web designer, um, it's fantastic too. And I, I know some companies that are, you know, they're not large companies, but they're good, good size companies who are using FreshBooks for everything. So I use it personally. I use it. I have a small uh, uh, social media agency and we use FreshBooks as well. 
and it has saved all of us. I mean, it's just so streamlined, so organized, and uh, um, I highly recommend it. I've been using it for years. FreshBooks will also, uh, for anybody who's like, well, but how am I going to get my money if I'm invoicing companies because everybody does things differently? I mean, they'll allow you to use PayPal or 11 other electronic payment services. I didn't even know that there were 11. Um, you can, uh, you, uh, and, um, a client can use a credit card. That's fine too. Or if you're an old school person or you're working with old school people, you can actually have uh, checks mailed to you. It's a small extra fee, but it's definitely something that FreshBooks will allow you to do if that's the way you prefer to work with a certain company or all your companies. I mean, it's all about keeping track of your money. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, iPhone app. There's an iPhone app that will, uh, you know, it'll help you keep track of your invoicing if you're an on-the-go person. Again, Amber, you're a great example. You're almost like the FreshBooks perfect example of, of somebody who's like everywhere all the time and needing to keep track of their life and, and who needs to be billed and how you get your I money know. back. And right. that was always a pain for me. I hated invoicing. I hated going into a Word document and creating an invoice from scratch and then trying to remember, you know, I had to go back and see if, oh, have they paid? This just makes it really simple. Once I get a check or they pay me, I just go in and click a button, paid in full, and, and files it away. And then I can give all this information to my accountant for tax time. And uh, it looks like I'm extremely organized. And, you know, you did say the magic two words just then, and that was tax time. Um, I don't know about you, but I haven't finished my taxes yet. Ah! And I'm really worried about it. Or I guess, you know, it's different for you guys in Canada, huh? April 15th is just any other day. Well, it's very, we still have to get our taxes done in April, but it, uh, for me, yeah, it's a total stress and I hate dealing with it. Like, it's uh, the worst. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you want to be, you definitely want to be as organized as possible going into something like this. So if you do anything that requires any sort of invoicing, and even if you don't, but you, you know, you think, I don't know, is this something that could, you know, help me out and, and just get me back on track. And when it comes to financials, I, I don't know. I just go with the service that's the, the easiest. Just go to freshbooks.com, sign up for a free account. That's all you have to do. Check it out. It'll let you, um, it'll let you uh, use a few invoices for free and just get a sense of the service and if it's the right thing for you. And that's all you really have to do. And when, to, uh, when you sign up at FreshBooks, tell them that we sent you. Uh, Twit or the social hour or, you know, anything like that, just so they have a sense of, of who who got brought to them and, and by whom. And they're also doing something that's a little bit crazy. Uh, the only <laughs> company I've ever heard of who gives away a birthday cake a day. It doesn't have to be your birthday. It's, it's actually a, uh, they have a drawing. So if you sign up right now, your name goes into this drawing and FreshBooks is going to, you know, pick a name out of a hat every day, basically. And if they pick your name, they send you a birthday cake. A real birthday cake that you can eat, and it might be made of That's chocolate, awesome. and it doesn't even have to be your birthday, so it's just an everyday cake. It's a cake for all seasons kind of thing. I love that. Mm -hmm. I like it when companies do fun things like that. You know, it's, it's a fun incentive. You get a cake, and you get to invoice the people that owe you money, so everybody wins. All good. Thanks, FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com. Check them out. So what else do we have to talk about? Oh, I know. I know. This is awesome, Amber. So we, I was talking about Instagram earlier. Yeah. You're an Instagram user, but you definitely don't use it as much as I do. No, I don't. And that's because I, I have a BlackBerry and an iPhone. So I constantly go between them. And so, um, you know, I just, you know, I'll use it if I have my iPhone, but I love it. Every time I use it, I think I need to use this more. I love Instagram. Instagram is great. It is sadly um, still iPhone only. I know I know the guys who work at Instagram. In fact, we talked to them on at night. Uh, oh, I don't know. However many months ago. Or Leo and I did. I think that you were out of town, Amber. And they have grown so much since then. 
Um, and I know that they're working on an Android app. It just hasn't happened yet. But we were also talking about Facebook pages. And so this is kind of the perfect little um, trick for somebody who has a Facebook page and might want to send pictures just to that page rather than their Facebook profile. So what I've done here, and you have to use the most recent version of Instagram because this is a, this is a new feature that is only in their most recent update. So if you haven't updated your apps in a while, do that first. What I do, what um, at this point, so let me go back just to make sure you didn't miss anything. So let's say I'm in my feed, I'm looking through pictures and I, you know, oh, I like pictures, I'm liking, commenting. If I go into my profile area and then I go into my edit share, shared settings area. These are all the services that I've connected Instagram to, Facebook being one of them, but I don't really send a lot of photos to my Facebook profile. I either go Flickr or I go Twitter if I think it's like funny enough to share with a large group of people or sometimes I'll attach it to a Foursquare check-in. But I don't use Facebook that much. I'm just not, it's not really my place where I dump a lot of photos, but mm -hmm. to post to my Facebook wall, um, is something I, I, um, that, again, I don't use very much, but if I wanted to choose a page, so this is the new feature in Instagram that says, okay, I recognize you, Sarah Lane, by your Facebook credentials, but you also have two pages. One is Sarah Lane, and that is actually my, my page. And then a silly thing that I made called That's So Meta that I never really use, but I thought it was funny at the time. But anyway, so I've now chosen the Facebook page that I want to send my pictures to. So this is... I mean, you think to yourself, well, I mean, okay, great. Some of us don't have Facebook pages, but what if you were a company, let's say you had a flower shop yeah. and you wanted to use your iPhone. You only have one iPhone. You like the idea of Instagram, but you're just not really like this overshare, but maybe your Facebook page is really popular and you can take a picture of flowers with a cool filter and just send it to that page every day. This totally takes out the step of having to figure out how to get that Instagram to your Facebook page some other way. Because before it would have required at least a few more steps to import it somewhere else yeah, and upload sure. it. So I thought that was pretty handy. That is tip. very cool. I will use that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, you have your favorite thing. I have my favorite thing before right. we wrap the show. Um, my favorite thing is this service called Zobni that has been out for a while. Uh, they've had a uh, um, an Outlook and uh, BlackBerry uh, tool. Um, now they've just launched Zobni for Gmail. It's uh, it's in a beta right now. You can re request an invite, and it's so cool. It uh, I think it was uh, Read Write Web that described it as adding X-ray vision to your inbox. Um, I love it. So. For, this is how it works. For example, when I go into my Gmail account and uh, if I get an email from you, Sarah, then on the right-hand side, there's this really slender little uh, column. That's my Zobni column. And then it says Sarah Lane and has your picture and other information about you, your contact information. Uh, it also has a graph of how often we talk on email. Uh, the first time we emailed, if we were possibly introduced to someone via email, uh, then it would include that. It would say, you know, this, you guys were possibly introduced by Leo Laporte. Um, and then links to your Twitter, Facebook profile, and anywhere else that you've uh, created a profile online. So I have all your information in one place in my Gmail account. So I know, for example, if you send me an email and then I go through and I see on Twitter, you say, okay, I'm just going out to lunch. Well, I'm not going to write you back right away because I know you're really busy or you know, you're not mm -hmm. in the office and I'll wait till later. So um, it's a way to track all of your relationships with people and just have more context to the emails coming into you, but also to add pictures to emails coming in, even from people you don't know because they do have profiles on social networking accounts. Wow. So this is, 3D email is kind of a good way to describe it because it's yeah. just... 
I mean, I, I think every day. I have so many Gmail accounts that I'm using now. I mean, we use, we're going to use Gmail for our show. For iPad Today, I have a Gmail account. I use mm. Google Apps for my SaraLane.com domain, which acts like Gmail. And then, you know, I have a couple other Gmail accounts. And it's like, honestly, you have all those tabs open now that you can switch back and forth between accounts. But it's a lot of text. And oh, sometimes yeah. I'm just really overwhelmed. And it's like, I don't even remember... Uh, you know, if I just had a, a face that might uh, give me a little bit more context in looking at a bunch of names and trying to figure out who I need to reply to first, because starring just, you know, doesn't cut it sometimes, yeah. I would really like a tool like this. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I've, I've been using it all the time, and uh, I got Chris, uh, my fiancé, to re request an invite, and he has it in his Gmail account now. And uh, it's just it's just very, it makes you more productive and makes your... Um, entire inbox just that much more interesting. So it looks like you can use it on a black. There's a BlackBerry app. Um, you can yeah, BlackBerry Outlook, um, and uh, Gmail is in beta, and they're coming out with iPhone and Android. But uh, those are going to be, I think, about ninety days away. Cool. LinkedIn and Facebook updates. I love that. LinkedIn updates are are something that I don't check very often because I just don't hang out on LinkedIn that much. I mean, I, I try to check in somewhat regularly, but most of that stuff is just missed by me because it's just one more thing that I'm not checking. But if it was somehow attached to those folks whom we may be going back and forth about a project or something in our emails anyway, that would be really cool. I think I could, oh, yeah. I could get a lot of, out of that. Yeah, you need to get an invite. You'll love it. Zobney. Okay, you Thank you, Amber. I love it. That was that was a cool tip. That's Zobney. A and it's a... For anyone who's listening, it's X-O-B-N-I. Spelled a little bit weird, but we're all used to that. Everything's spelled weird now. Yeah, of course. Um, before we go, make sure that you have our information because obviously this show, it's a social networking show, and we want it to be as interactive as possible. So there was a lot of the two of us talking today, but next week we hope to incorporate some of your feedback, questions, comments, anything like that. So you can write us. It's the social hour at twit.tv. And then I also set up um, <laughs> a Google Voice account, and it's a little bit, I, I'm hoping that it's catchy enough to remember, but it, I'll have to say it a little bit weird. 2626 social. Uh, trust me, Google voice numbers have now become so popular that it's very hard to get something that's clever and catchy. That's pretty good. So I thought if you can just remember 2626, then just the word social and yeah, you're good Sarah to go. Sarah and I are both 26. That's easy. Right. 26, 26. And we'll be 26 forever. So no. yeah, it's perfect. 2626 S-O-C-I-A-L. That's how to get a hold of us. We would love to hear from you. And of course, and I always tell people um, on iPad today, even though voicemails and emails are awesome, if you can send us a video and try to keep it under 30 seconds or so, we'd love to see, you know, be able to look at you guys or to see what you're working on or anything like that. So if there's a, ever a video that you think that um, could help uh, benefit our show, we'd love to see it. So just upload yeah, it somewhere, you know, YouTube or Vimeo or... Uh, mobile me or anything like that. Try not to send us anything that we actually um, have to download. Um, but a but a uh, a link would be great, and yeah, and we'll and try we to should also as many people as possible. And we should also say, um, you know, uh, we will be having guests on the show. Not necessarily every show, but we will have guests when it's appropriate. And there's, uh, you know, new services in the social space that we want to talk about. And if you have developed any type of tool or app and you want to let us know, that's a great way to get in touch with us by emailing at the social hour at twit.tv. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I guess what we'll do at this point 
is end with a bang on our wonderful video of the week that you chose, actually. I haven't even seen this, so I will be watching it for the first time, as will, oh, I'm sure, hey. many of our many of our guests. But I guess we'll say goodbye and then roll into the video. What do you say? Yeah, sounds good. So uh, I don't think there's any swear words in it. I watched most of it. Um, this is a, a spoof video done by Rooster Teeth Productions, who uh, did the series Red versus Blue, um, which was uh, and has been enormously successful. Uh, they have created a video called Angry Birds the Movie, if Michael Bay directed it, and uh, it's a whole lot of fun. All right, we will end with Michael Bay directed Angry Birds, and you and I will say goodbye. We'll play us out with Angry Birds. Good first, the Social Hour episode one, Amber. Thanks, Sarah. See you next week. See you later. Two of the nation's top ornithologists were found murdered yesterday. It's your mission to infiltrate enemy territory and rescue the eggs that they left behind. Sir, yes, sir. When I find the enemy, <clears throat> then what? Let's just call it our secret weapon. The government's been developing it for years. It's just a slingshot. Don't you ever call it just a slingshot. Billions of dollars in R&D. This will change modern warfare as we know it. Good God. Blue for multiples, black for stones, yellow for distance, and white when you're in a bind. Take the shot! The target's not clear! It doesn't matter, but sir, the target's not Take the shot, soldier! Penetrable fortresses made of wood, glass, stone. Sometimes there's dice, or maybe dominoes. I don't really know. It's something with numbers on it. Sometimes I don't know which side I'm fighting for. We will not let these pigs destroy this country! Rescuing the eggs, but killing the birds in the process. These pigs aren't really the enemy. You spend 10 years in a POW camp eating their slop. Then you come back and tell me they are not the enemy. Call that ammo, sir. Is this just some sort of game to you? No! Yes? <laughs> <laughs>